the 60th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So we're about to wrap earnings seasons here, and I thought we could talk about the most recent releases. So we didn't have time to ca- capture AT&T last time around, so we'll talk about that. And then T-Mobile also reported recently as well as Charter and Comcast. But what would you like to start with? Well, let's start with the two cable companies. Comcast Charter both had respectable results, you know, with their expansion into family plans. They caught a second wind. Comcast at a 285, Charter at a 244, quite respectable numbers. When you look at Comcast and Charter, always what you have to recognize is their wireless number is down the funnel from their broadband numbers. So if their broadband numbers are challenged, their wireless numbers are challenged. But I thought they were very strong and combined, you know, Comcast Charter are about two-thirds of the U.S. And they grew faster on postpaid phone net ads than Verizon. So congratulations, right? Yeah, well, I think, you know, one of the things that Comcast talked about was how it was the best quarter ever, but it wasn't that much more than last quarter, right? So they got 285 this quarter, and I believe it was 280 last quarter. So continued, I think I would say straight line performance in terms of how well they're performing. I think what's notable about their nets, as you, as you mentioned, is that, you know, it's off a much smaller base and a smaller proportion of the country, right? So, you know, if you're only two thirds of the country, but you're getting more nets than Verizon, that's who that covers all the country, then that's probably pretty good. Yeah, and it's it's like I think they have tapped out a lot of the one and two line base that they could tap out, mm-hmm. and well, there, there's still more to go, right? But they they didn't tap the three and four line base at all, and they needed to do this with 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 their new price office. Realistically, there's a lot of benefit to those multi line accounts, I and mean, you give it you give a discount for bringing more lines over, but the churn profile of three and four and five and six line accounts is dramatically lower than that of one or two line accounts. I know when we look at switcher profiles, a lot of times it's younger folks that are on single lines, right? Just because it's a lot easier to switch from carrier A to carrier B if it's just you and you're not worried about your wife and your mother-in-law and your kid and everybody else, right? So I think there's some some benefit there in the long term as it relates to churn for them to roll out these multi-line plans, even if you do take a little bit of a haircut on the the uh, ARPU in the short term. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, then let's talk about AT&T. Yeah, so let's let's talk about AT&T. We, when we recorded last time, they, had, they released the following day, and so we didn't get a chance to talk about it then. What I would say is, you know, this seems to be a continued performance from them in the sense that they're still uh, leading the industry in terms of postpaid phone net ads, uh, and they came very close to getting the highest marks for total postpaid net ads. They're very close to T-Mobile this quarter. So, you know, I think one thing that's interesting when we look at across the industry is across the big three, upgrade percentage is 4.3% for AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile. And that's with the iPhone launch, right? Right. I was going to say, with the, end the, with the iPhone launch at the very end of the quarter, we didn't necessarily see the uptick, I think, that a lot of folks were expecting. Yeah, and investors are sweating bullets. 
oh my God, all of these extremely generous offers. But when you do the math, the offers are generous, right? But there is a lot of trade-in required where they recoup a lot of investment. So it's not a thousand dollars that they dish out. It's, you know, several hundred dollars. Not that not that dramatic. And the take rate is not there, which in itself is really remarkable because as a consumer, if you can have a new phone, like get $1,000 off and you're not taking it, what's wrong with you? <laughs> right? Well, I think you said part of it, right, which is that the offers are up to $1,000 and not everybody is getting that $1,000 back. I mean, the other thing I would say is that you know, as impressive as the new iPhones are, they are an incremental update in the sense that there's not a lot of new things they do. They just do everything just a little bit better. Yeah, and the battery life gets dramatically better. Just to get a new battery is, 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 is worth it to switch out your phone after two years, especially with the battery life being so much better on these devices. Right, but I would say like most, like much of tech, I mean, there's still, you know, everybody's still searching for uh, what is that next killer app? And, you know, last year's iPhones, I think Wozniak said it best, you know, he said, you know, I like the new iPhone 13, but I really can't tell that much of a difference between the, this one and the old one. Yeah, but right? this is one of the founders of Apple. Yeah, but, you know, if if it doesn't cost me anything, why not take it? Well, it'll, it only costs you a 24 or a 36-month contract with a carrier of your choice, correct? Well, most people are staying with the carriers anyway that long, right? It's not like... And then, you know, as we see right now, somebody comes along and buys you out of the contract. Oh, the hardship, right? But overall, I thought it was a very impressive quarter by AT&T. Churn inched up only a tiny bit. You know, they had 928,000 phone net ads, right? Smartphone net ads that compares to 673 from T-Mobile. That's like 50% more. You know, I'm, I'm sure people in, in Dallas high-fived each other again, right? And then went back to work. Their prepaid net ads were strong. The churn is really low overall. You know, good job. I, When I think back of the earnings call, you know, I thought Phil Cusick's comments that the investors don't get it and they need help from the carriers to better understand it. I think he's, he's dead on. And John Stanky has done a lot of things right, but he basically said uh, as a reply, well, it's not my job to educate these people. You know, it's my job to deliver the numbers. And I think Phil was trying to be helpful, very helpful. And I think it is important for the carriers to help the investors to better understand it. And we see that AT&T, and we see it later on with T-Mobile, when a simple, straight answer could have done the job. They went out of their way to obfuscate and, and tell things that were off and misdirected and all of that things. Well, so so let's let's talk about T-Mobile, right? I, th- I thought this was a really interesting call because normally you, you hop on these calls and you know, rah, rah, we, we did awesome. We, we got great numbers. We're leaving the industry for the best. We have the best network, et cetera. And there was definitely a lot of that. But the, the opening 20 minutes of the call was kind of a defensive monologue by Mike Siebert. And I'm not sure they really have a lot of reasons to be defensive. They still had a pretty good quarter. It just seemed a little off. 
I, I thought so too. It was like, yeah, how dare you? And and oh, it's the other people' fault that that are making everybody skittish, and and the peeing in our cornflakes, and you know why doesn't everybody love us uh, as we deserve it? And and then they do like bullshit, like you know the the fixed wireless number, where they could have just said, here is the number. So talk about this, right? So they said at one point during the call, they said they had double the fixed wireless subscribers of Verizon, which would be equal to at least 110,000 subscribers. You can go back and look at the numbers and it's easy to figure it out, right? It's kind of cute when they do that kind of stuff, but whatever. But then later in the call, they say they had more than Fios and Fixed fixed wireless together, so the FiOS number is 98,000, and again, the fixed wireless number at Verizon is is 55. Turned out that wasn't correct, and they had to issue a correction after the fact. Yeah, and, and it's like, why, why play this around? You know, it is so clear that the, both the AT&T and the T-Mobile people are frustrated and everything about their stock price. You know, it's like every time you're not saying the straight truth, the investor will think you're hiding something. You know, AT&T and, and, you know, they have now a new new leadership team, new CEO, new CFO, new VP of investor relations. Good people. I wish they would go away from the deliberate hiding of numbers that the previous administration did. And well, I mean, let's be real though. They're gonna run out of rocks to hide things under, right? Because they're gonna they're shaving the business down just to wireless, right? Or, or to, to telecom, right? So they're but still and and now T Mobile is starting with these shenanigans. You know, with with John Ledger, the numbers were really, really clean. And the more distant of a memory John Ledger is, the more they start to stray from that from that straight and narrow path and like oh this and that and oh the the lifeline numbers we don't report and this and that right but you know i I think if i'm if i'm being fair here and if i put on my team i will have for a second i think one thing one point that mike siever did make about the 18t numbers and something i think we'd like to see because it's a number that we look at quite consistently is number of accounts right and at&t does not report number of accounts Verizon and T-Mobile both do. And there's a lot less shenanigans you can pull if you're actually reporting out number correct. of accounts as well. Absolutely right? correct. But then people like us, like you and me, run a survey every month with 3,000 people, and they tell us there's no hiding. I can tell you the account number for, T-Mobile, for AT&T because we can back it out. Because every single month, 3,000 people. Not every investor, right? And, and the investors are, are who drives the stock price, which presumably is what these guys are unhappy about not seeing positive changes. We're happy in. to sell them the data. Right? Well, there you go. But I think, I, think what, I think what we're saying, though, is that, you know, uh, we, we may have some more in-depth information than the average investor. And I think it's good for the stock price, regardless of your if, if you're buying T-Mobile or if you're buying... Verizon or AT&T, when they tell you more about how their business is functioning. Yes. Right? I, think, I think accounts, number of accounts yeah. is part, should be part of that. And so you always blame me for uh, or accuse me of, of being 
overly harsh with Verizon. But, for example, Verizon put out its fixed wireless numbers, which were, you know, 100,000 before this quarter and 55 this quarter for 155, which are abysmal numbers. But who cares? Because they put out this number because they believe, in my opinion, that they will have a massive ramp. And they want to show that we had piddly numbers in the past, and now we have C-band, now we have C-band, and now this thing will ramp. Listen, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't characterize that. And again, I think you're, you're, you're bagging on Verizon a little bit. I wouldn't characterize <laughs> 155 as being abysmal, given, given the spectrum they have to work with, right? So, For how long they're working on it? For two years? There's, there's really no point in you know, touting 4G fixed wireless, which is eff- effectively what they're low band 5G is, right? Because it's not going to be material that much fa- materially that much faster because of the spectrum. Right. And then on the other end they have they have millimeter wave, which is still only in the very densest areas. You need line of sight. Yeah. You've got to, you know, glue something to your window and stuff like that. Right. When they are able to turn on the C band and they're deploying CPs that are C band and millimeter wave compliant or compatible then they're going to hit the road running, right? But like, yeah, I don't and, think and they so they they laid the groundwork. On the other hand, you know, I remember way back when AT and T reported their digital life numbers, and then stopped reporting it because it didn't go anywhere, right? That that's the other side. So they were very very hopeful in a previous life about that. Although, I mean, to, to, to be clear, though, I mean, I I don't know how you feel about this, but I I certainly think there is a lot of places to go with fixed wireless on 5G. I think that's a one of the more interesting things of the care you know we're going to see in the 5G era is that there is going to be I think some displacement and, and replacement in terms of you know terrestrial broadband with wireless options, you know, and I think for T-Mobile and for Verizon uh, you know who seem to be really the ones that are going going after this the hardest, I think there's a large addressable market for them once they deploy this. Well, I think both Fixed wireless and fiber are really good in punching down. When you compete against DSL, fixed wireless wins hands down. When you have fiber, fixed wireless loses. You know, you and I were we were working with some of the smaller companies, and one of our customers, they realized, oh, here these poor people only have. DSL, why don't we give them fixed wireless? They got eight customers. Then the other guy overbuilt them, and they lost the eight customers, right? Fiber wins in the end. Fiber does win, but fiber is not always economical to build out everywhere. Yeah. And I think one thing that was interesting that T-Mobile said when they were talking about their fixed wireless was that I believe it was like two-thirds of their customers were coming from urban and suburban areas. So it's not like they're going out into the rural areas yet like they've talked about and punching down see they they characterized the areas where they were getting fixed wireless ads as being cable territory right yeah so congratulations you made a hundred thousand in urban areas and or give or take you know my my point is we haven't fully seen kind of the the increased competition in the rural areas that i think we both know is coming Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of, as T-Mobile rightly said, there's a lot of untapped opportunity for them in rural markets. Because as they 
rightfully said, T-Mobile has like 50% market share in a lot of the large urban markets, which also means that's untapped territory for AT&T and Verizon when they get their act together and become even more aggressive, right? Kind of funny that, that, that the largest markets are untapped territory, you know? The irony, you know, the jokes write themselves. So going into Q4, you know, I thought that this was a, a reasonably decent quarter, you know, once again for everybody, right? Like it was a spectacular quarter. Once again, you know, nobody's no everybody seems to be able to kind of come up with positive nets. The industry's still growing. I know one of the things that I think Phil Cusick had said on the call was, you know, right now we're looking at roughly seven times population growth in terms of growth of wireless lines. That can't continue forever, would be my guess. Uh, although it's certainly gone on longer than I think a lot of folks thought it was going to go on. Well, it's a bubble, right? The bubble yeah. keeps on going until it bursts. Right. And I think, you know, Q4 is always the critical quarter for all the carriers in terms of hitting their numbers, especially for Verizon. You know, I think T-Mobile is, like we said earlier, a little bit defensive about not, not winning all the superlatives this last quarter. Looking forward to Q4, what, are, what do you think are kind of the major dynamics we're going to see? And, and love to get your thoughts and maybe some predictions. Well, I think, you know, competitive intensity heated up, especially with these bounties for, for people switching up to $1,000 a line, up to $5,000 an account. You know, if you bring your, your phone and they pay it off, both from T-Mobile and from Verizon, so they, they feel the heat. You know, things don't change until they change, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think there has been a big enough event to change the current trajectory, right? I think AT&T will come, um, come in probably first again, followed by T-Mobile, and, and then with, with Verizon in number three in terms of subgrowth, because it's not really their intense focus. Their intense and focus is, is to make more money. And I like the little dig from T-Mobile that was like, oh, we have higher service and EBITDA growth than, than Verizon has. So I think it's a dangerous path for Verizon. But yeah. For me, I think you know some of it's going to hinge on supply chain, right? We saw on the Apple quarterly call recently that they're now starting to talk about having supply chain issues and things of that nature. I wonder if there, and I know we've talked about this before, but you know, if you start to see lots of bring your own device promotions pop up around Christmas, you know there's supply chain issues. Yes, and I'm I'm looking forward to to those first prom- promos that are coming. Bring your own device, and we'll give you a hundred bucks, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's when you know that it really hurts, and we know that on the low end especially around prepaid, the supply chain issues are considerably more severe. And a lot of it is really like getting the phones in. You know, I talked with a vendor and they told me that their shipping cost from Asia to the U.S. went from $3.5 per kilogram, that's 2.5 pounds for you, 2.2 pounds, to $12. So, so, Cost is coming up, and the supply chain has now moved away from the magnetics and, and, and memory to actually the SOCs, the chipsets. And so that is 
it's getting worse rather than better right now. So it will be the a good slugfest in fourth quarter. You know, and, and the promos will pull back and they'll pull back right now and they will come back around Black Friday. I think that's when, when we can talk a lot more about how this plays out. But we just got back the October numbers and they look pretty good, right? I think it's going to be really interesting as well just to see what happens. I know C-band isn't really going to get kind of turned on until Q1, but you know, when, when all carriers have like a, a credible mid band offering to see how intensity steps up or, or how that gets marketed. I think, you know, Verizon has been to some extent coasting on some of the kind of prior network. Claims. Yeah. Once they, once they actually have an operational mid band network, I think they're really going to push that hard. Right, and I think it'll be interesting to see, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. Yeah, but I I don't think we T-Mobile is like a broken record. With, with we have the most 5G, we are the fastest. This network is much better than 2015. Well, it couldn't get really much worse, but yes, it's a better, faster network. But what we also know is that the reality on the ground takes a year to show up in the numbers. And them repeating the same drumbeat over and over again is like uh, it, they're trying to drum it into the heads and convince the people who haven't tried them yet to try them. And we know that the, the network in rural America is less homogenous and there's a bigger difference between the networks than in, than in urban parts. But... You know, there's a, always a difference between building the network, the customer experiencing it, the customer changing their opinion, and that then translating into actual performance. T-Mobile's growth today is still almost, in my opinion, and when I look at the numbers and look at our survey data, is still almost exclusively based on their more competitive product, not on their network. That still hasn't hasn't realized. You and I have done the network net promoter score. And I don't want to say the numbers, but that clearly tells you what you need to know, right? Right. Their answer back to that would be that we can have that, you know, and, and what they talk about, and it is kind of a broken record, but they want to be kind of the the speed and value leader. Yeah. Right. But to your point, I mean, I think what we see and the data that we collect is that, you know, value still resonates far more for the majority of their customers relative to speed. And so in a way, which is also dangerous for Verizon and T-Mobile, is that factually on the ground, yes, they're still the value leader and they have a faster network. But that message, even though that they have like drummed it for a year, has not been received by the consumer yet. We don't see it in our numbers. Well, I mean, I think you see it in the Nets numbers, right? I mean, they're still... Yeah, but that's the value still driving it. And when you look at AT&T, those numbers are driven by value, not by network. Yeah, but the account in me would say, you know what, if, if somebody's coming to me to, for... for the, a dollar coming to me for value is the same as a dollar coming to me for speed. Yeah, but, you know, the people are still going to T-Mobile, uh, to AT&T, a greater share for for network than than for the other guys. And the network leadership that used to be there at Verizon is not there anymore. 
but the consumer is still has it in their mind because for 10 years plus it was true well so i mean i think what again if i were to put my t-mobile head on i'm not a t-mobile apologist just for, for the record but <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that uh mike Siever whenever, says, whenever you have to say that you know you are well you know? i'm trying i'm trying to be fair and balanced right oh boy but, uh, got, stop digging <laughs> stop digging right? yeah. well, that's, we, we don't have to talk about one america uh, yeah. but uh what I would say is, you know, T-Mobile's been measuring network perception, right? And one of the things they said on their call is that they've made 20% gains year over year in terms of perception of who has the best network. What they didn't say, and I know they would say... <laughs> it's the absolute number. It's the absolute number, Is that they, right? were winning, they were winning that yet, right? So I think, you know, there's positive momentum there for them in terms of perception of network. But to your, to your point, it's not there yet. You know, they dug themselves out of a trench and now they're only in a ditch. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> Congratulations. All right. Well, I think that's all we had. Uh, we have time for this week. This was a good one. Yeah. Uh, no. Thanks, Roger. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.